So welcome everybody to another ep new episode of Mover Podcasts. We're excited to have the founder of one, one of Orange County's fastest growing moving companies, Noah Fenton of Fenton Moving. Noah, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. Excited. Fabulous. So I'll we go through a little bit to learn about you, uh, starting things off. Um, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Middleburg, Virginia, a little town outside of DC. It's a rural area and spent most of my life there. The first 20 years or so, I did do a lot of traveling as well. I spent some time in New Zealand and I went to a couple different schools in the area of Virginia growing up but most of my time was spent in this little rural town. So I didn't have too much experience with big cities and the like before getting into my early twenties. And wow. uh, yeah, so, so college and, and moving out to California, all that sort of stuff. So you, you went to New Zealand, was that just traveled for a short time or was this a long stay or how long were you there? Yeah, so I was in New Zealand for seven months, all in all. Uh, so not full time living there for too long, but enough time to travel around the whole country and see the North and the South Island. And it was really just an opportunity to get out, experience a different place, do yeah, a, yeah some camping, some nature. That's some of the stuff that I'm big into. Okay, well, I didn't know that. That would have been some experience. What prompted you to choose New Zealand? It was very open and remote, or what was it? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a couple options for me when I'm looking to travel abroad. I can either look into the human culture of the world. So I think for me, places would like that would be Paris or Europe has a lot of mm -hmm. history. And, uh, and places like New Zealand are more of the natural culture. So fascinating. Yeah. Beautiful landscapes, etc. And you had a great time what a, and a great learning experience. Yeah, I did. I did. It was really cool. I think it's, I think it's good to get that experience and learn about different places. I think everything like that is just a little bit more knowledge for me. Yeah, that's a fabulous thing to do. So you said you went to college. Did you also go to college in Virginia? Yeah, so I did. I didn't go too far away. I went to a small liberal arts college called the University of Richmond in uh -huh. Richmond, Virginia. And I spent my four years there getting a degree in business administration with concentrations in finance and management. Okay. So uh, a lot of classes with investments and finance, but also I did this entrepreneurial track where I did management classes and then did some mock portfolios and, and mock projects where we try out our business ideas and see how viable they are. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Now that was so in Richmond. It you were in a you grew up as you said in a small rural community. How far away was Richmond from there? It's about two and a half hours away down okay. to the 
from the north part of Virginia down to the middle. But it was, and I'm assuming, I guess, that Richmond was uh, a bigger population than where you grew up in, in the rural area? Yeah, I would say that part of, part of the answer to that would be that the university was closed off from the city for the most part. It was a yep. lot of classes and a lot of interacting with other students. So yep. I guess one of, uh, one of the regrets I would have is not getting out into the city more, but Richmond yeah, itself, yeah. all in all with the suburbs is pretty large. It's about a million and a half people. Yeah. And what a pretty, as a pretty awesome experience to to have all those practical training uh was there anything you took away from that still today yeah absolutely it was good to be in a competitive environment with other people my age trying to excel and and yeah. watching their passion mm -hmm. for trying to create businesses and at the end of the day create a career learn to make money mm -hmm. by what we do um so i learned a lot from that i did two I did two mock businesses. One of them, I've played tennis my whole life and was in competitive tennis. So one of the mock businesses was actually a racket restringing service that, huh. we put into, yeah, we put that into effect in Richmond a little bit, and we were working on like little pop-up places where people could drop off their rackets remotely, and then we would come in at the end of the day, pick up the 10 rackets, restring them, bring them back to the court so they could pick them up, kind of near public courts. That's pretty cool, man. And you actually did string the rackets. I did, I did. I did string some rackets. I mean, the way that it went growing up, I was at clubs and that sort of thing, and it can mm -hmm. seem a little excessive, the prices they charge at, at clubs, and I know that a lot of public courts and people that use those public courts maybe can't afford that. So we were thinking yeah. we're in a reasonable price range, doing it large scale, scaling it, being able to um, make it possible that way and also be able to help people. Yeah, that's a fabulous business. How did you find that once you actually started doing it? Was it, uh, was it well received? What were some of the, what was one of the main challenges you saw out of that? Yeah, so I will say that the professor was pretty critical of, and, and in a good way, I mean, I think it's necessary, but critical of all of our projects. So for me, what I excel at is getting out and just doing the mm -hmm. service that we're trying to do, interacting right. with people, doing the physical work. A lot of what he emphasized was the back work, like does the finances make sense six months down the road? What's right. the growth going to look like? Uh -huh. And um, and all those questions, I will say it was a little discouraging. And yeah. if I learned anything from that, I actually lean more into when I'm trying out an idea or seeing if it's going to work, just doing it. Yes. You know, not sitting behind the paper so much and running numbers and questioning yeah, yeah. and double, double guessing or yep. whatever it is, just getting out, trying it and seeing how it feels. And was that pretty... Was that pretty interesting, stringing all those rackets? Did you learn something yourself doing all this out of that process? Was there a real need in the market? What, what did, was there anything you learned doing it? Yeah, so I would say that this was not a huge priority in my life at the time, yep. if I'm being honest. Yeah. So using it as kind of um, a side project 
it was somewhat successful, but I wasn't in that moment really trying yeah. to turn it into something big, yeah. which I think with any small business, it's got to be 100% yes. all day for the yep. first couple of years. Makes a lot of sense. So what prompted you or why did you decide in Virginia, you've got this great, just a great uh, practical training program with this university. You've gone in, you like good competitive tennis. I completely understand that. Um, and then you've, you've, you're learning about starting a business and then you utilized your background in tennis. So what made you, or why did you move out to California? Yeah, so I graduated from Richmond with this degree. Most of my classmates, friends that I had made were getting into the finance sector. So things like investment banking, and portfolio analysis for larger companies, like really good companies. That it's a good business school. They send people uh -huh. to Goldman Sachs and KPMG and different accounting firms that are really successful. But for me, I knew in that moment, and it kind of goes along with the New Zealand mention that we uh -huh. had. I just it wasn't time for me to kind of join that bigger corporate world and get behind a desk and yep. grind like that for however many hours a day, usually a lot in the right. beginning. Right. So some things were up in the air. I decided to visit a friend that was living in Newport beach, California, spent some time here and obviously it's a beautiful place. So uh -huh. that's what I, uh, that's kind of what started it. So you visited Newport Beach with a mate that was out there and you're out there and you're saying, you know, I really like this city. I could live here. Exactly. And I don't want to be working in the finance sector in locked in behind a desk. I'm more somebody that needs to be out and about, but I want to utilize this business background. Exactly. And then, so I guess follow on from that is you may say, I'm going to go out to Newport. I love it here. This is a, let's give it a go. Then something prompted you to consider the moving business. What, what was that? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting story given what we just talked about. I was so averse to getting behind a desk at the time that I just started working for a local moving company. Huh? Yeah. So it started out as, um, pure on the job hourly pay moving for people in orange county and that's what i did for about nine months and i will say just as mentioned with that i really enjoyed it really i really enjoyed it seeing new places in orange county meeting people seeing beautiful homes and i've always been big into exercise and that's one of the big things that i get from actually moving well, I was thinking about that. So you've got the background with tennis, which is a competitive cardio exercise, but moving would be, I think, and I don't know, obviously I haven't done professional moving, but I'm thinking that you've got a lot more, um, not necessarily physical exertion, but more um, uh, stress on weight type, heavy type items is what I'm thinking of. Did you find that or am I mistaken? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the friends that I have today, other owners of companies and employees and all that, it takes a special type of person to be willing. And I'm not saying that, that it's 
harder than anything else, but it takes a special type of person to be willing to do that sort of job, pick up 10,000 pounds over the course of an eight hour day or something like that. So it's definitely heavy on the body and uh, it just, yeah, some people love it and some people really don't. Yeah. And what did you do? But you were loving it after nine months. You said, I really enjoy that. How did you, what did, there must've been some things that you'd learned along the way and you had been very careful of to prevent injury with these heavy items. Yeah, absolutely. I've worked out my whole life and it was intensive for tennis. The main things are just going to be protecting the back, watching the knees, Yes. All that sort of things. Yeah, because if we don't, it, it can be a pretty short career, you know, two years in and the back's given out every day, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So now that you've founding uh, Fenton Moving, I'll get into some other questions about this as well, but you've got guys that come on with you, team. Uh, do you do you have some specific training you give them to prevent injury or how to handle goods to prevent damage? Yeah, so what we do today is I I meet with a guy always and do a little interview with them and feel it out and see if they'd be a good fit. And yes. we only do hiring through friends. So That's I don't do any sort of hiring from third-party platforms. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's all referrals, friend to friend. That's how I know I can really trust these guys. And, uh, and yeah, so most of our training is going to be just with each other. So what have we learned and then sharing little tips? I mean, at this point I've been physically moving, you know, I'm still on jobs today, not as frequently anymore for sure, but I enjoy it. And I like hanging out and getting on the jobs with the guys. So three and a half years in, I've, learned a lot of small tips and oh that's fabulous yeah and a lot of our guys have at least years of experience yeah no this is really good what a what an education so um as founder of fenton moving you've and you've moved people from all walks of life can you think of any moving experiences that stand out over these years now yeah so I would say, sadly, mostly uh, the horror stories are the ones that stick out. (laughs) Yep. And so that's going to be like we walk into somebody's house and there's uh, open cardboard boxes and pizza on the floor. Oh, God. And, you know, maybe animal hair and other things all over the place. So, So I have some of those in mind and those aren't awesome to talk about but i've also seen some really beautiful houses and met some really kind people Um, yeah so the people part of the enjoyment of what you're doing is 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 also meeting the people then absolutely yeah and it's it's good i mean like i would say that to a certain extent growing up my world was boxed in certain ways right growing Mm -hmm. up in a rural area and then going to college but now i get to go meet people from like like you said all walks of life and get to see like the things that people do talk to them about what they do for work and and get a feel for just like how kind a lot of people can be that's fabulous. So with the, going to the horror stories a little bit, not to go dark, but when you have these horror stories where people have got stuff everywhere and they're leaving pizza and it's a, a, on the floor and it's a real mess, what do you do to make the move 
mitigate, is there anything you do that you learn to mitigate to make the move more efficient, even though they're inefficient? Yeah, so before long, full honesty is that in the beginning, starting a business like this, we can, we'll take what we can get, right? right? So in the beginning, I'm doing any job that I can. Yes. But once we get stable and people understand how quality of service we provide, we start to have some uh, power there maybe yes. for lack yes. of a better word. So yep. before long, I realized that it, we require certain working conditions. So I have the talk with clients as we're booking and it's kind of part of our contract that the working yes. environment needs to be reasonable for us yep. to actually do the job. And if it's not, it's a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a lot like at a restaurant, you know, they reserve the right to yep. serve certain people. We reserve the right to not work at a certain house. That's perfect. Makes a lot of sense. So now getting on to a logical follow on to that, um, there's been a fair bit of news out there as you maybe see particularly i think particularly lately since the corona days maybe because moving has been so active but there's a lot of news about what i'd say is shady moving schemes can you are you have you i'm assuming you've seen a lot of this can you tell us what's happening here yeah so if i can have a minute or two on that yeah. answer this is something i talk about often with people and i'll give a quick overview breakdown of the moving industry in general yes moving, we move we move a lot of value every day in people's mm -hmm. homes mm -hmm. and part of moving just how it is is that occasionally we're not perfect things are going to break that sort of thing so with moving comes a certain amount of damages because of that there's a lot of insurance involved and insurance is very expensive so the actual barrier to entry with moving is really high and i think for that reason it can be not so appealing to a lot of business owners that are looking right. to find what industry am i going to go into right don't get me wrong there's a lot of awesome moving companies out there and that's the okay. truth yes but it also leaves space for some quote unquote shadier people yep. to step into an industry where they can feel they can make a lot of money, that sort of thing. So they, it, it, it opens it up because you're saying there is limited barriers to entry. Yes. I would say that it's not the most appealing industry to get into every time for somebody yes. with yeah. a lot of funding or something like that. Yeah. It's not the, we've got other things that are more sexy, glamorous, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you, with these companies, are they, are there things that these, let's say the shadier companies are doing that would be things that you would say to someone, just watch out for if somebody says this, is there anything that comes to mind if a moving company says something to a customer wherever they are, even if it's not a move for you, just for a customer that might be wherever, is there something that you would say, Hey, this is a red flag. You want to be careful with this moving company. I would watch out for any hidden charges, any hidden fees, but I think that the biggest thing I would recommend to anybody is to check reviews, right? I mean, move yes. is awesome because you know all of us personally and we've been referred to you one way Thank or the you. other. So mm -hmm. betting, right? 
Yes. And it's important. It's really important to have that connection where it's a positive referral and there's past experiences to go on. Because yep. if somebody's not on the internet and their reviews aren't apparent and very consistently good, yes. that's a huge red flag. And, uh, and it is. I mean, it's common for companies to hold people's items in their trucks until they get more money from them. And, oh, and yeah, we go. Yeah, I mean, it's out there for sure. I would say it is very easy to avoid as long as there's vetting involved and, and referrals yes. and that sort of thing. No, that's they, that's fabulous tip there. So thanks for that. Um, what would you suggest for a residence that's planning to move that if there's something that they're going to, there's something they're going to look out for from the moving company, but what would you say would be something they should be, uh, be careful of or watch out for in their own preparation? Is it the parking for the trucks? What would you be, what would be some of the main things you'd say, be careful of this so that you can be best prepared as possible? Yeah, so I would say if the total value of the move is something that's important to the client, that's probably the biggest thing that we run into. And right. if that's important, then preparation as far as packing items go uh -huh. is the very best thing that a client can do. So if we're yep. showing up to a home and there's loose items and everything isn't as consolidated as possible and mm -hmm. guys that are really strong and can carry big pieces all in one go are picking up little items one at a time and walking them you know to the truck and back and walking the truck and back that's how the hourly can increase or how things can become more expensive if it's not consolidated perfect so what do you, there's been a lot of changes, I think, in the moving industry, really, over the, the past several years. But looking just over the last 12 months since COVID came along, um, what would you say the most significant changes you've seen? Hmm. Yeah, fortunately, when COVID came around, right, I think a lot of businesses were up in the air as far as how is it, how it was going to affect them. We had about a two week lull and then, you know, people have to move. So we kept on as we had been, it wasn't a huge drop, but what has happened and has been really significant is that it seems everybody's moving out of populated areas and into more rural areas. So out of California, out of LA, out of San Diego, out of Orange County, and we've done a lot of moves to Nevada or Texas or Colorado, areas that aren't so populated. And I think that's been the biggest change. That's fascinating to see that and to hear that. We says you read a lot about people doing all these things and then statistics contradict themselves, but you've been on the ground and witnessing this now. Yeah. And you can say that you can say in the moves that you've actively been a part of your, you are yourself seeing a significant move of moving more so than normal, moving out of the densely populated cities and into more remote locations. Definitely more than normal. And yeah, we've actually changed some of our strategies to meet that demand. And I also know just from, from
from being in the industry that U-Haul is starving as far as trucks in California right now. They can't keep them around. It's no uh, kidding. Yeah, they they really don't have any anymore, and it's because they've all gone to Texas or Nevada, like I was talking about. Wow! So there's that many. So now they're going to have a hard time picking. You know, you're going to have a hard time finding a U-Haul in California. Yeah, I think they're having to work through that problem right now. Wow, that's there's some interesting feedback. Noah, this has been absolutely uh, fabulous, and. I would also love to probably in the future, we might have some more specific directly moving questions, but I think this was a great insight into yourself, your background, the moving industry, and just firsthand straightforward down and dirty truth about what you need to do and what need to be aware of. So really, this is fabulous. Um, for, the, for our listeners, thank you, uh, everybody. Please subscribe to our podcast and find us on Instagram at Mover Inc. That's M-U-V-A-I-N-C. Uh, you can also reach out to Noah Fenton with questions at fentonmoving at gmail.com. That's F-E-N-T-O-N-M-O-V-I-N-G at gmail.com. And until then, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Noah. Um, see you next time. And to everybody out there, keep moving. I, uh, have, a, have a great day.